Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here to ensure that you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, we actually mean your boys. Yeah, Stephen and the twins. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way that you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they've just released their products in the UK, Canada and Australia. Now, let's not forget, it's the best... We're not about the Australians having a nice... Are you not? No? No. Well, neither am I, actually. They can chuff off. (laughs) The Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. Lads, have you ever had a grooming accident? And be completely honest. Only the odd nip and a little bit of needless blood for a bit, but nothing ridiculous. No sort of horrific Halloween horror film scenes, mate. And I'm too scared to go too deep. Yeah, so... um, Mm. Yeah, I am actually due a little bit of a tidy up down there, so I'm looking forward to using my um, as previously used Manscaped equipment. Fantastic. Yeah. And Chris, are, are I, you... I, I would second what Brooksy said. I, I don't think anyone can lie if they do look after themselves and say they've never had a little accident. Yeah. But um, <laughs> due to having the new Manscaped product means I will never have an accident again. I love it. Well, look, they've got an ear and nose hair trimmer as well. It's called the Weed Whacker. They've got the Crop Care Kit. We like that, by the way. I've, I've used that ball deodorant. It's brilliant. Really, really nice. I don't know. I don't really know why, but it feels nice and fresh down there. It's very good. Crop Mop Ball Wipes. Crop Cleanser Body Wash. A full body wash that you can also use on your hair, on your head. Not that I've got much of it, so I, mine will probably last yeah, me a so while. Be careful, mate. Be careful. I just thought I'd get that in before you guys started as well. And if you suffer, suffer from stank foot or you stand on your feet all day, um, there's a product for you, the Foot Duster Foot Deodorant. It's a free gift as well when you order this. So that's pretty good. Loads of stuff to go at as well. Um, and w- the reason that we're kind of mentioning this to you is because we've got a, a, a code, haven't we, Chris? Is it Barmy Army, I'm guessing? We the- have, yes, absolutely. So you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code Barmy Army in block capitals. Make your balls a priority this fall masterfully done and like we said before i use mine the other week and you you can eat your dinner off it (laughs) 
Hello and a very warm welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. This is, I don't know what episode this is now. Is it episode number 34 or something? We've done quite a lot. Yeah. We're smashing them out. It's great. It's Sp- actually number one, Greggy. This is number one. That is true. Every podcast that we do is the number one. Well, I wasn't thinking that. That's a bit corny. Oh, is it? <laughs> I was thinking this is our first ever international guest. That is that. You're <laughs> <laughs> going corner. Yeah, but look, just look how great we are. That's, I thought that was a good opportunity to do that. Um, but yes, you are right. This podcast is Jimmy Nisham, and he's great. I can't believe we've got him. Well done, Millard, by the way, chief guest fixer. So all the guests that we're getting at the moment are all courtesy of Millard's just firing people messages. So thank you very much. Yeah, um, and assisted by our cricketing professional. Yeah, well, Sometimes yes. Sometimes digging out a few numbers yeah, here and there. Definitely. But yeah, no, I, I don't want to take all the credit, but... No. I'm just the assist. I just assist, don't I? Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't want you to sort of let on that, that actually... You set him up, Brooks. Yeah, I'll tap him in. Exactly. Assistant to the general manager. And if, <laughs> and if you are a professional cricketer and you're wondering who's giving out your number, um, it's Brooksy, just saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate. Uh, the cat's out the bag. Yeah, uh, Jim and Isham, brilliant. We'll talk about him more in a sec. But um, as we record this bit of the pod, and obviously we recorded Jimmy Nisham a few days ago now, but England 3-0 win in the T20 series against South Africa. Have you watched it much, lads, by the way? Because I properly really enjoyed it, particularly the third yeah. game in Cape Town, which was just awesome hitting but have you watched bits of it Brooks I suppose you sat on your backside aren't you so you've probably been watching a fair bit of cricket well I've managed to find time in my busy schedule to um <laughs> to, to watch some cricket yeah cleared cleared my schedule uh, I've even got my girlfriend watching it as well which um, nice she, she's not too clued up on cricket so she's enjoyed watching or having it on in the background while she's doing other stuff um but yeah no the England boy in class aren't they really they um I think they've been a bit rusty and their bowling's been a bit uh, well yeah a bit rusty um but just the batting, so much firepower, and only needs a couple of them to hit a bit of form, and they just blow teams away. And I think South Africa are obviously overly reliant on a couple of players, and if they don't perform, then they haven't really got a hope against that England team at the minute. But um, the thing that got me was Cape Town. There were two of the games were at Cape Town, but obviously there's no one there. And it's one of the best places in the world yeah. to watch cricket, one of the best places to play cricket in the world. And there's just no bugger there watching it. And it's just an odd atmosphere, isn't it? And they're just whacking it into the building site. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like all like Bizarre, muddy, isn't wasn't it? it? But did, you know what, Paul? Have you been to Paul Millard when you've been over there in South Africa? I've been, been to Paul. Right. I've you, been to Paul. You've been. I've played at Paul. Have you? See, I quite like the look of that. And that didn't seem as weird, did it? You know, with no fans in, it didn't seem as well, weird. Well, there's no, there's, no um, there's no real stadium or anything. It's a bit of a glorified club ground and it's yeah. quite a flat wicket. Um, Jeff Boycott lives not far from there. Oh, right, okay. Interesting. He I'm... came to watch you get the game that I played for the England Lions down there. Mm. It was a real high score in flat on Jonathan Trott got double hundred and some young yeah. upstart bowler got 50-odd coming in at the end. Really? really? Did you? Nice. Nice. Did so nearest you... I've got to uh, international runs. Huh? <laughs> Did I think so... it counts. It does, it does. does. Does Sir Jeffrey give you a big clap? Um, I can't remember. He was sat miles away. I don't think he's ever given anyone a big clap. No. Rubbish, rubbish. Me, <laughs> I, I don't think he'd have clapped me. 
<coughs> no way. No. Uh, no did, did either of you question whether or not England would chase 192? Yeah. I found myself at, at the interval questioning it. I was like, when I was watching it, I was like, why did I even question an England white ball side to chase the total down? But one down? Uh, yeah. One down? Like, I'm not. Yeah, one down was. Yeah, one down was a bit odd. I think they had to get off to a good start, which they didn't get off to an absolute fly today. But because Rivada wasn't playing, they had um, Simpala, Simpampala, whatever his name is. Yeah, obviously inexperienced. <laughs> they um they don't have a particularly experienced team, and the boundaries are quite small. And yeah. um, if like Joss or one of the boys gets going, obviously Milan, he surprised me in terms of how quick he got off to a start because he usually takes ten or fifteen balls to get going. Yeah. Um, but the fact he got off to an absolute rocket and Joss was just you know hitting it where he wanted really wasn't he? it just kept on coming and uh, once they hit that 40 off two overs in the middle it was it was only going one way after that wasn't it it was just a bit of a it was carnage but it was good to watch what do you think what did you make of this message passing thing brooksy so from the balcony obviously they were holding up like these coded signs have you seen this but they were holding up like these when, when england were bowling and they were holding up these signs with like c3 on or d1 and it meant certain things that obviously only butler and morgan were aware of and it was to change their approach have you seen this it was basically a way of passing a message on because people aren't obviously you know allowed to sort of be in contact with the coaches during the game at the moment with the covid thing so when i reckon i reckon d1 meant do one just yeah. like do one yeah, yeah do one yeah. but they're not playing chess or battleships or yeah that, <laughs> it could have been what it was yeah i thought i thought that was quite interesting yeah i like that brooksy <laughs> well it's um usually like if, if the coach or someone off field has spotted something they'd usually run a message out via 12th man yeah. or you know write a little note down so you just pass it to someone on the boundary mm. um so it's a bit of a different version of that if you if you physically can't i don't know it's a bit weird though but it was a bit I'd, I'd be interested to know what they what they were but um i've not seen it before but i mean if it's allowed it's allowed isn't it of course it's allowed i mean what i didn't get was that you know some people going oh no i just think it should be the captain should know what to do and i was thinking well he does know what to do he's one of the best captains in world cricket but clearly the coach has an input from a different kind of viewpoint or try this try that south africa or whacking it anyway um, Greg, cricket fans and cricket media, if they don't like one thing, it's changed. So, yeah, well, that's yeah. Um, that's what I would say about that. That is that is true. Yeah, and there was a certain esteem. Bobby Army, yeah, correct. Army, yeah, Bobby Army. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, Twenty-five years to like us. <laughs> good change of subject because I was going to go on a rant there. So I'm glad that you prevented me from doing that. Nice one. Um, also, Chris, there's this fella who stayed in Sri Lanka. Right, by the way, great story, isn't it? This bloke, legend. Rob Lewis, is a legend. This is right up your street. I knew as soon as I kind of saw this story, I was like, no wonder you like this, Chris. There's a guy who flew out to Sri Lanka in March just as the pandemic was hitting and the tour was cancelled, obviously, in England flew home. Every English person who was out there on a Barmy Army package or whatever had to fly home. This bloke snuck up the coast, tucked himself away and hid. Um, we're going to be speaking to him <laughs> later on in the podcast about what the heck he's been doing. He's not coming home until England next play there or something. You, have you spoke to this bloke, Chris? Um, I have, yeah. We've um, When the news broke a few days ago, my phone was going off alarming because they were all like, oh, surely this bloke deserves an honorary Barmy Army membership. So I was like, of course he does. I just need to get a hold of him. So I went searching on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, finally got through to him on uh, Instagram, then eventually WhatsApp. And he's an absolute legend. So he's um, he's been out in Sri Lanka since the 13th of March, something like that, when the tour was meant to go ahead. 
and he's vowed to stay out there till England return, which is which is likely to be middle to late January next year. So he's got a drone, he's got a camera, he could potentially have media access if we can swindle he's that fine. one. Will uh, <laughs> no, he's the new <laughs> Barmy Army media man, Brooksy. <laughs> no, mate, but he doesn't, he doesn't know that yet. MI6 have basically just, this bloke's gone working undercover in, uh, in We Asia. won't ruin it, we won't ruin it, but I've heard he's like good pals with Mickey Arthur now, who's obviously the Sri Lanka coach out there, so he's just been chatting to him, so he could even How's be he working. his way into that setup? <laughs> he must have unbelievable chat to be able to outstay his, uh, that long outside of his visa and then just worm his way into the system like that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to him. He is driving somewhere in Sri Lanka, so it might not be the best signal, but let's see. It's raw. I like it. We'll be talking to him after we've sort of halfway through this podcast with Jimmy Neesham. By the way, Jimmy Neesham, great get, great player. Seemed a top fellow when we spoke to him. By the way, just to be clear, Chris, we aren't pretending here that we're about to speak to him. We have spoke to him already. He was a top fellow, wasn't he, actually? Told some good stories. He's really active on Twitter and quite funny. He doesn't really give a toss, does he? I kind of like that about him. Um, but really interesting and engaging. Couldn't sort of, you know, give us enough time. He was in quarantine, so he had all the time in the world. That's why he was probably a little bit more patient than, you know, he probably would have been otherwise. But really good guest, wasn't he? And by the way, for somebody who was out in the middle as the, you know, World Cup final was lost agonisingly by the barest of margins, right? He was out in the middle, <laughs> down on his haunches, and yet brave of him to actually talk to a Barmy Army podcast. He was great, wasn't he? He was brilliant. It was really interesting to hear someone who has been on the other side of the, the fence and listening to the Barmy Army and listening to the England fans. We've already spoke to him, so looking forward to hearing what he says about that. Very interesting to hear his view on how calm he was out in the middle compared to the Bangladesh game, which no one would have even questioned him on. Mm. But comparing the Bangladesh game to the World Cup final just because he's a cricketer and it was situationally different was really, really interesting. Mm. And I'm looking forward to to um, re-listening <laughs> better. I'm lo- looking forward to re-listening to him um, talking about that lovely sweeping six shot he hit that nearly hit me in the stands and I think every England fan at the time then put on now. It's happening, isn't it? It's happening. They're going to do it as soon as he hit that six. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's curtains. But luckily, we won it. Yeah, we did. He was really good, though. And um, I can't believe Brooksy, because he, he's had a bit of time over here, and you've never played against him, have you? Well, you might have done. There was a bit of uncertainty, wasn't there, yeah, whether you played I against him? I may have been watching the game, the, the T20 that he was playing in, but you're right when you said he's interesting, engaging, which is quite unusual for high-level sportsmen these days, isn't it? Because they don't <laughs> want to get caught out with things they say or not worried about how they come across and everything. Like covering um, yourself for just being a bit boring. Well, I'm boring as anything, but yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Even if I'm trying to be funny. Um, but yeah, he's obviously a world-class cricketer. Um, it's good. I can't believe we're a foreign foreign player wants to come on and talk to the Barmy Army. It means we're doing on must be putting out a good message. But definitely, um, yeah, like he's he's a really really top bloke in and some of the the finest cricket moments the last few years he's been he's been involved with in New Zealand's cricket. So um, yeah, he was um, he was very entertaining. Yeah, very entertaining indeed. I tell you what, let's get to talking to him then. And well, before we do, Greggy, yeah, yeah. can I just say a big thanks to the um, as we found out a couple of days ago, a big thanks to the half a million downloads this year. Mm. It's pretty incredible that in 2020, in a turbulent year for everyone, over half a million people have downloaded it and listened to us lot talking about cricket. So thank you to every one of you for doing so. 
And if you would like to, please sign up to be a Barmy Army member. It will make everything easier to run the whole operation of what we do um, for the love of cricket and for the fans. So please sign up at barmyarmy.com. That's a lot of downloads. It's a lot nearly of downloads. As many downloads. It's nearly as many as uh, downloads as Greggy's Pornhub account, probably. <laughs> <laughs> See, the temptation there is to edit that out, but it's actually quite funny. So I'm, I'm probably not going to. <laughs> <laughs> wow, where to go from here? But I'm yeah, true. Uh, I, I can neither deny nor confirm. Anyway, right. <laughs> I don't really know. You've rattled me as well there. Jimmy Neesham. Jimmy Neesham coming up on the Shackles Are Off podcast. Thanks so much for downloading and all the correspondence. We haven't got time to sort of run through some of those today. Uh, but we'll also be talking to Rob Lewis as well, who's a potential water boy for the Sri Lanka cricket team. Who knows? We'll see. Anyway, well, let's get talking to him here on the Shackles Rob podcast, which is Jimmy Neesham. Jimmy, absolute pleasure, by the way, for you to come on the podcast. First non-English player that you've had. We've had like 30-odd episodes now, all England players, former England players, county players. It's great that, you, that you've come on. It's brilliant. And look, we'll talk about all things World Cup. I'm sure you're delighted about that in a moment. But, but we just want to know, you know, you're, you're loved by English cricket fans. Do you, uh, do you love us just as much as we love you? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. Uh... It adds a bit of an element when you're on tour in the Barmy Army there. I remember uh, way back in, geez, it must have been 2008, I think. Um, sort of, I was at the Basin Reserve watching a test um, between New Zealand and England, and, and the Barmy Army were there in, in full voice. And um, no, it certainly adds a bit of an element to the game, I think, especially in New Zealand, where um, our crowds are quite kind of quiet and um, gentlemanly just sort of sit there and watch and sort of clap politely when something happens so it's good to have a bit of atmosphere in the ground at home I saw you put on your um, saw you put on your Twitter just because you mentioned the England fans there saw you put on your Twitter the other day about your first celebrity crush <laughs> and for those who didn't see it was um, Sir Freddie Flintoff down on one knee is, is that true? Oh, absolutely what a, what a man what a player obviously uh, I was 14 when the 2005 Ashes were on so that was sort of the peak of my I suppose cricket fandom as, as a as a kid growing up and um, yeah, staying up through the night and watching those, that series and um, that over to Ponting and you know him and KP dominating with those old woodworm bats, which um, were obviously pretty popular in the UK <laughs> for a couple of years afterwards. Yeah, he was he was a great man. But both on and off the field, I admire him um, for what he's achieved. Quality. You've got a bit of an affinity with the English game. He played for Derbyshire and Kent as well. Did you enjoy coming over? Because it seems that as sort of New Zealand players, a lot of you guys like to come over and just sort of try your hand, even if it is just that for a little bit. Is it something that you always wanted to do and did it disappoint when you when you did? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I actually um, credit a massive part of my cricket development actually coming over and playing league cricket when I was um, 18 and 19, straight out of school. Um, I went and played in, in Birmingham for West Bromwich Dartmouth and, and also in Essex um, for Upminster Cricket Club. So um, that was a huge, I suppose, uh, development area for me, uh, not only for cricket, but also moving overseas and uh, learning to live by yourself and, and be a bit more of a grown-up. So 
Um, no, I love going back to England. Uh, whenever, whenever I get the chance to, um, I'm sort of working through um, a couple of possibilities at the moment for coming back next season as well. So fingers crossed um, they can get across the line and um, haven't been back uh, <laughs> since that infamous infamous tournament. So um, hopefully we can some better memories. Hey, which which accent did you prefer, uh, Birmingham or the Essex? That's two very different twangs down there. Um, you understand them? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably. I mean, the Essex one's a little bit less grating, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, you said it. You said it. It depends we, what you are. If you're in a, in a like, cricket field or a nightclub, it probably differs a little bit. <laughs> I love it. So you two, you've not played against each other then in the county stuff, did you? Ever, no, not. Never, I can't. Remember. I don't think so. Um, no, I don't. We, I mean, if he was playing T Twenty for Derby, I may well have been at Headingley when I was at Yorkshire, but I don't know if we actually played against each other. I played a fair bit with Kane. Obviously, you played a fair bit with Kane. That might be our. Our only actual link other than playing cricket. Fair. Yeah, I, I played one T20 <laughs> against Kane at um, Headingley in 2014, I think. 2015, oh, okay. 2014, one of those two. So that would have been the only time. Fair enough. Are you getting a knock on the door, Jimmy? Is that a knock on your room service door? Yeah, that'll actually be my. I uh, think it's allowed out. My morning health check. I'll just quickly get a temperature done and then I'll be right. Back. <laughs> Uh, shipping, he's shipping in. This is great. This is great stuff, by the way. No, we'll just um, <laughs> for the listeners. He is. Um, he hasn't left them four walls for a while, has he, Greg? No, that's he's true. So four walls for the last fourteen days, is it? Yeah, and also, I mean, been in a bubble since the middle of September. So, and as we record this, it's the end of November. So, like, I mean, it's a long time. How was your health check? That was quick. 6.0 degrees Celsius, lads, so you're well within the range. Ah, perfect. <laughs> We've got a healthy niche on the board. Excellent. <laughs> what are you looking forward to most when you get out of, um, when you get out of there? Oh, Fresh air, surely. Social interaction. Um, going down the, down the road from my house and getting a coffee, obviously, Mrs. Dog, family, all that kind of thing. Um, uh, and then tomorrow night we play the first T20 of the summer against the West Indies. So there's not much time to um, get the feet back on the ground, but um, yes. that seems to be the way um, these days. You've been out and about there, haven't you? I mean, you've been talk us through where you've been then, because obviously you're at the IPL. Were you away before that as well, or um, no, no, no? So we were locked down in New Zealand um, through August, um, which obviously managed to get us down to zero coronavirus cases, which is a pretty amazing achievement. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we basically flew over the UAE straight out of lockdown, um, obviously into another one, um, which was pretty stringent over there, and then um, flew back, and we have two weeks um, of managed isolation in New Zealand on return um, before we're allowed to get out. So, um, as I said before, day 13 now, so out tomorrow, and then, yeah, straight back into it. Oh, wow. Be brilliant. So you straight back into action then. You know, I mean, we'll be putting this podcast out after the match so you won't be giving too much away but you i mean have you been able to train and stuff whilst you've been sat in your hotel room what, what's the, what's been the crack yeah, it's been quite good so us and the west indies boys um, from the ipl all flew back the day after the final um and we're all in a managed isolation um hotel in christchurch um so we're pretty much exactly the same as the general public um, except that we can slide out one of the side doors onto a bus and, and head out to Lincoln University and train um, once a day um, for two hours. So um, the, the guys aren't too rusty. Obviously, the the rest of the T20 squad that weren't at the IPL are, are up in Auckland already um, preparing for the first game, and then um, the six of us that are here will just sort of slide into the uh, into the squad the day before the game and 
and well, the day of the game um, and get going. From your time in England, Jimmy, just going back to that, obviously before that, before you got your little knock on the door, are you a football fan? I've seen you tweeting a little bit about football, about soccer, about Messi and Ronaldo and that kind of thing. So are you a, are you, you know, are you a casual onlooker or do you actually like your footy? No, I'm a pretty casual onlooker. Uh, I sort of uh, have a bit of an affinity to West Brom Albion um, from that uh, <laughs> time I mentioned when I was 18 playing in um, Birmingham. But um, nah, not, not a massive football fan, no. Yeah, fair enough. West Brom play your lot on the weekend. I was going to say, yeah, I'm a Sheffield United fan and we've got West Brom at the weekend, so, um, oh yeah. Jim, Jimmy, do West Brom know that you're a West Brom fan? Uh, probably not, actually. No. I, right. It's not something I... Uh, we'll I let them know. You're going to be their most pop. famous fan. Yeah. <laughs> Behind Adrian Childs and someone else, yeah. Adrian Childs. <laughs> I bet you don't even even know that is Jimmy, dear. Yeah, he's. I mean, you're, you're far more famous than him, definitely. Um, go back to your Twitter. Look, your Twitter's brilliant, by the way. I know you're a professional cricketer, and you bet you actually, to be fair, probably get asked more about your Twitter than you do about cricket, which is probably a little bit frustrating for you. But it's great. I we think the reason that you do is just because it's great and it's like honest and it's funny and it makes it a little bit more accessible and all that kind of stuff. Do you, do you love all the engagement? I mean, I love the fact that every year the IPL comes around and someone gets injured. You, you're just getting bombarded by Indian cricket fans all wondering which team you're going to be signing for. <laughs> it, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, I, I think you can take it good, a good way or a bad way, I think. Um, I've certainly got a lot of people blocked and muted on Twitter. I think that's <laughs> essential for, uh, for any professional sports on these days. Unfortunately, there's a, a fair bit of um, I'm sure they'd call it banter. I'd call it vitriol. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you need to sort of filter out what you want to see. But oh, I think it's great. It's a great way to kill time and interact with fans and that kind of thing. And um, some of the stuff you see on there is is plainly ridiculous and it sort of makes you giggle every now and then. But um, it's certainly one of those things. It's a double-sided coin, I think. You, it can help you a lot. It can entertain you, but also it can um, sort of challenge you a lot as well if things aren't going so well. So I think um, it's... Certainly a tool that's good if used in the right way, but I think especially younger players, especially guys still in their teens and stuff, I think probably have to be a little bit careful. Yeah. I remember um, when they announced the 100 over here, the domestic competition, which is obviously postponed to next year. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say, don't you, about the 10 ball over? And you're like, what's the big deal? I ball 10 ball overs all the time. <laughs> yeah. I actually... I actually forgotten about that, and I was worried. <laughs> I was worried what I actually said for a second because I do want to plan it at some point. So I was hoping I didn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. criticize it too much. But um, yeah, obviously the big bash have brought in, um, and it's some interesting rules as well. So mm. I wish to just see what's going to happen with stat statistics for for those tournaments. Is there going to be obviously you've got first class list day T20? Is there going to be like a fourth category, which is like weird games people have made up? statistics the game column and the big bash and stuff in there now yeah cricket everything beach cricket beach cricket yeah hey yeah that's where everyone's best stats come in isn't it beach cricket I love it and garden cricket at Christmas as well don't you bully people at Christmas Jimmy I've read somewhere on Twitter Headhunters up a few cousins, then yeah, more always for what. There he is, rocking in his backyard, thinking he's Freddie Flintoff, bowling bounces here, coming down. We're down on one knee, giving it that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah, not, 
not so much mum and dad. Dad's learnt to stay out of the backyard, but you know, a few little cousins. You know, there's a couple of sort of 12, 13 year olds around that cop it every now and then. But yeah, you got to show people who's boss, huh? <laughs> yeah, striper, mate. So as promised then, let's hear from Rob Lewis, who is the England cricket supporter, who is stranded in Sri Lanka. Absolutely ridiculous. Just take a listen to this and we'll be back with Jimmy Neesham shortly. I don't really know where to start, Rob, to be honest with you. <laughs> what went through your head? What what made you actually think, oh, I know, I'm just going to stay out here? Like, what was it? I know it's a lovely place. I don't know, like... Uh... I'd only been there a week, like, running up to the first test. And I'd been, like, working pretty hard to, like, afford the trip. Um, and I just, I was just like, I can't believe we've got to go home so soon. So I was just, like, digging my heels in, really. I thought, I kind of thought this, uh, the curfew that first started would be maybe, like, a month or something. So I thought, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just chill out on the coast, find somewhere. And, um, and then I'll sort of come back after that. But it kind of went off two months, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, the thought just kind of just slowly creeped in. It's unbelievable. Yeah, when I get, when I, normally, when I get like an idea in my head, I, I tend to try and uh, go through with it. Where have you been staying? Are you actually a spy? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I can't tell you that. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, <laughs> information. It's, it's been a, it's been a complete mix of like hostels, it's a few hotels, but um, like maybe like Airbnbs. I stayed with my a uh, good friend of mine in Colombo, he had a big house, so we stayed there for a while. Um, some places just like these mad like villas that we'd hire for a f- few days because the prices are so cheap because there's no tourists, tourists are around. Mm. Yeah. So presumably you travelled out there with some pals, right? How long did did like the last English people stick around for? I know uh, some people actually who were out there for like a week or so after the tour was cancelled and then they were like, okay, we need to go home now. But obviously, what was that like when the last English people went? Well, it wasn't really like that. And um, you kind of presumed wrong because I went out on my own. Um, though I did actually have um, I did actually have flights booked to Rome. I had this grand plan of going to see the, the finale of the Six Nations in Rome um, and then fly on to Sri Lanka for the two tests. But obviously, Italy was completely, that was shut down early. Yeah. So I was like, well, I've lost two flights here. So I've had to get new flights to <laughs> Sri Lanka. It was via, it was via Warsaw. And I, and I was on the plane ready to take off. And I looked at BBC Sport. They're like, yeah, the cricket's cancelled as well. I'm like, oh. You... <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I'm like, oh, That's all right. Incredible. Well, you deserved, so, you know, yeah. you deserved something like this then, Rob, by the sounds of it. You know, you, you sort of treated yourself by staying out there. What's this that I hear then about befriending Mickey Arthur? <laughs> uh, yeah, my, well, my good friend um, Tom uh, introduced me to Mickey Arthur, and um, which was awesome. And then slowly, like more and more, uh, esteemed gentleman joined us uh, at the same time every week at um, the local watering hole, um, <laughs> and and Sippers Club was born. So the, like the whole Sri Lankan coaching Sippers staff Club. Were there. So <laughs> Sippers Club, yeah. 
Um, Incredible. So yeah, Grant Flowers there, David Saker's there, uh, Maka, who's an Australian fielding coach, is there, and um, just like a group of like great guys. Um, sort of drink, take the piss out of each other, usual stuff. So you now a Sri Lanka cricket selector or have you worked your way onto the border? <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to be the water boy, like one step at a time. <laughs> How have they taken that? Are they, are they, do they need a new water boy? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm put, I've, I've been putting the pressure on Mickey, but, um, but like it's all like it's all in good good jest. Like, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and kind of well, make if, it feel under pressure to move Adam and Earth. If you don't get the gig, Rob, then my, me, the Barmy Army, want to have you on board for the tour. We want to have you. We're not able to get over there. We're not able to send any media over there. So there's a role waiting for you if you can't get on the um, Sri Lanka coaching staff. We'll find a way. Us. That's so good. I mean, you're basically a local now, Rob. I'm, I'm open to ideas. <laughs> Where about? Well, yeah, there's like not. I think. Uh, I think the local count. I think the local sort of. Uh, I think the local, apart from wearing the England shirt, sort of sets me apart. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, there's, there's there's not many tourists here. I think the latest count was like what a thousand, and what's there right. normally twenty. Right. Oh, yeah, wow. like normally twenty thousand foreigners in the country. There's only a thousand. Most of them are the, like expats that live here and have businesses here. So in terms of tourists that are just sort of hanging around uh there's not many at all so yeah it's kind of like you, when you see other foreigners you, you've more than likely bumped into them already that's amazing and look and and also so what's what's the deadline then like you know you know obviously in terms of going home you basically stood your ground you've said i'm not i'm not going until england next play there until Ruti and the boys have last played in sri lanka i'm not going home i've got a sneaking <laughs> suspicion that when england do play in sri lanka you won't go home. Uh, um, well, if there's two. So there is two sides. It's obviously, I'm waiting for them to come back, and the, most of the time, there's been no confirmation that they were coming back. So it's just been out of just pure kind of faith, I guess. Um, <laughs> and the other point is, like keeping in touch with uh, my friends and family back home. Like the UK is just it's been a shambles, isn't it? So uh, yeah. I kind of feel like. Um, I'm, I'm, it would be taking myself into to a worse position. I'm I'm fortunate enough to put myself in a position where I can remote work. So I've got my laptop with me. Um, and my boss, who's an absolute legend, like he he, he encourages encourages this. So uh, so yeah, there's there's no there's no immediate need to go home. The only reason would be if they like didn't extend a visa potentially. Yeah, mate, you're not missing much, and the fact you've got Sippers Club, so you're going down the boozer with your mates or international <laughs> coaches you're sipping with these boys you're, you're, you've got you've got us covered mate everyone in this country is, would be listening very jealous of that <laughs> yeah well yeah um, I kind of feel blessed yeah you are <laughs> every sure. cricket fan right now you are representing every <laughs> cricket fan how, how, how do you like my DJ name go on DJ name Randy Caddick <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love God. it. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's, all, uh, what's, your, what's your music? What, what did you spin on the like, net? Well, house and disco. But like, I've um, so I've only I've been learning. So obviously, with the learning phase, you're not going to be very good for a while. But um, I mean, I was keen to just like just join in at parties and things. So I got a, a couple of my early gigs. I got kicked off the decks. The guys are just like. 
yeah, thanks. Thanks, Rob. Uh, you can maybe play a few songs later, which essentially <laughs> just meant just get off my head. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, all, it wasn't all like um, fairy tales and rainbows and all that, yeah. But, um, but I managed to, I managed to get a few gigs in like the bar, uh, some bars in Colombo. Um, this great guy Clifford Isaac was very kind of receptive to the fact that like I was new, but like I was I was an, enough standard for him to to accept. So yeah, I've done got done a couple of nights. Got got my name on a flyer. Randy Caddick is on a, is on like a oh, flyer. You're gonna have bar. to send us a picture of that, Rob. You're I gonna will. Have to send I will. Us yeah. Oh, what's up? It's Chris. Yeah, do it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. We'll have to get you in contact with Caddy as well. I've got his number, so and I've, I know him, so we'll um, <laughs> we might have to tee this up. Well, it's an it's an ode to the England's greatest fast bowler. That's that's all I'm going to say. That maybe not statistically, right? <laughs> he, yeah, he went to war. He went to war when we were uh, when we were in the trenches, and uh, that can't that can't go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, Randy, we will have to have you on again, mate, because it sounds like you know you're sort of a little bit short on sort of cricketing pals out there. Well, you're not actually. What am I on about? You've got the whole Sri Lankan backroom staff. <laughs> Covered. Yeah, there's one or two. There's one or two knocking around. Yeah, that's amazing. I oh, love it. I love it. Look, this is great. Um, Rob, is uh, uh, sorry, Chris? Is there anything else that you want to say to Rob before before he goes? No, other than the um, other than the extension of our conversation on WhatsApp, Rob, you are going to be an honorary member of the Barmy Army for your tremendous efforts. So wow! Supporting the England team. So, wow! Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much, guys. We will Truly extend humbled. that over social media, but it's um, it's a pleasure to have you on board. Of course. Call, call back any time. Top man. Rob, great to talk <laughs> to you. Rob. Enjoy the tuk-tuks. It sounds busy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Top man. See you later. See you later. Bye-bye. He's living the dream. How mad is that? How mad is that? Rob Lewis, well, as it stands, England are meant to be going to Sri Lanka in March. So, March time? I bet he's not home by then. I bet he's not home by then. Anyway, let's get back into it with Jimmy Neesham, everybody's favourite Kiwi, right here on the Shackles Are Off podcast. We'll talk about the World Cup because it's like the elephant in the room, isn't it? Look, you know, I thought it was great how gracious you were and also all your teammates were on, like, I mean, (laughs) most ridiculous game of cricket ever. Me and you were there, Chris, weren't we? And it was just amazing. I mean, we didn't know what was happening. I can't imagine playing in that game, let alone actually holding a bat in the super over and, and like trying to actually concentrate. I mean, what was that like? Is it something that you tried to block out or is it something that you can kind of look back relatively fondly on because you know how big it was and that people are going to be talking about it for the next however many years? I mean, getting to the final is an amazing achievement in itself, but I suppose it's kind of glossed over with what happened, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's... It's honestly something I haven't really been able to fully kind of make sense of yet. I think um, I think it's important to note as well that you don't actually get much time to to dwell on tournaments like that. I flew straight to Toronto and played um, a Canada T20 tournament straight after that and then went straight to the Caribbean and played another tournament and then went straight home and started our home summer. So I didn't really have a chance to, you know, go to a beach in the Maldives for two weeks and, and sort of ponder it. But, um, yeah... I, I mean, it's a, it's a hard one. It's certainly not a a, a fond memory. I don't yeah. you know, sit on my couch and smile remembering it, but it's obviously you do understand the um, the significance of the game, um, especially in New Zealand. We're a small country. You know, cricket isn't our main sport, so 
Um, it's certainly um, the thing I get stopped and talked about the most sort of on the streets and stuff still. So um, it would obviously um, inspire the country a little bit, but um, if it had ended slightly differently, that would have been ideal, but you, know, you can't have everything. I mean, the fact that they then changed the rules and stuff after the tournament, it's like, that tells you how close it was, isn't it? And also it goes back to, in a way, New Zealand with the underarm delivery in the World Cup, you know, all those years ago as well. It's like a bit of a sucker punch kind of thing as well, isn't it, for New Zealanders? What do they, what's the feeling in the country about it? Because I know that if that happened to England, we'd probably not be best pleased about the outcome of it, you know, the, the way it worked, it's sort of in our favour and all that kind of thing in the end. Well, I mean, what was the general feeling of the New Zealand country? I mean, we don't, we didn't really get a sense of that. We were too busy kind of celebrating it. <laughs> can't imagine they were best pleased either, Greggy, to be honest. No, I can't. But, <laughs> but like, you you know, you put a great tweet out saying, you know, well-deserved or something, like, on the night. And I was thinking, well-deserved? Like, what? How can you actually bring, you know, so gracious, really? And Kane, obviously, was fantastic, wasn't he? And the rest of the lads all came out of it. So, great. I know there's only really one way you can come out of it, but, th- but that was, um, yeah, it was quite impressive, really. Did you get a sense of that, of that, that we were appreciative of that? Yeah, yeah I mean... I think the well-deserved, um, probably more relevant to the fact that England were the best team sort of throughout the tournament and, mm. and had been the best team for, you know, 24 months or so before the tournament. So, I mean, they were favourites going on. It was at home. You know, they were probably the team that if you just, you know, went off paper, they were probably going to win the tournament, you know. So it was kind of, you know, one of those things. I think everyone kind of handled it differently. You know, it's, I mean, it's hard to know, you know, it's, Kiwi blokes, we don't um, show our emotions at the best of times all that much. But um, yeah, different guys handled it in different ways. Obviously, everyone um, had different contributions to the game. Um, I think the guys who were probably involved right at the end probably took it the hardest. I think um, probably myself, Guppy, and Bolte probably the ones who you know struggled a bit after it mostly. But um, yeah, look, it's one of those things that's it just sort of gradually fades. Um, every day and you think about it less and less often. I think I'm down to about seven times a day now thinking about it. So hopefully that's <laughs> fine um, over the next 15 or 20 years yeah, and then we, can, we can laugh about it. It's just what, crazy, what is- isn't it, to have two results and lose neither of them and not win it. But the tournament as a whole, how did you take the whole tournament as a spectacle and being in England for a major tournament like that? How was it? Yeah, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, our, our team had pretty much all the, the girlfriends and wives and kids over with us. So I think we had a party of about 35 or 40 at one point. So um, it was a real kind of family atmosphere. Um, between games, you know, we'd everyone would just go our separate ways and guys would kind of go around London or go up to Newcastle or whatever for three or four days. And then we'd um, just meet up together again wherever the next game was. And um, it was pretty um, a relaxed atmosphere, sort of family atmosphere and uh, um that's, I think, the best our culture has been since I've been involved as far as um, everyone working towards a, a single goal. And um, it was just pretty cool. You know, you'd have a, we had a couple of rough results through the through the series or through the tournament against sort of Pakistan and England and Australia. But, you know, you'd get home to the hotel and, you know, five or six kids would run up to the bus and people would pick their kids up and stuff. And it was sort of didn't feel like it was that big a deal. And then um, we sort of got to the end and realized we'd made the semis and then you know, it was from then on, it was all on. And, and obviously that amazing two-day game in, in Manchester against India um, for the semi-final um, went our way. And then, yeah, obviously what happened in the final is pretty well documented. But no, it was a, a really enjoyable uh, couple of months overall. Great answer. Just 
Just want to touch on the final again, Jimmy. Just want to know what it was like for you to walk out in a super over as a batsman. What was? Did you feel the pressure, or did you? Did the atmosphere take a hold of you, or do you just shut it out and concentrate on the ball? How was that for you? First of all, it's so much better in that situation being involved in the game than having to watch. I think um, yeah. we had a round robin game. The, the most pressure I felt throughout the whole tournament was against Bangladesh in the round robin when we were chasing. Uh, I think it was early 200s, 220 or 230. And um, we ended up having to watch Matt Henry and Lockie Ferguson hit the winning runs, you know, eight down. And that was the worst I felt during the whole tournament. I felt sick watching that game. Compare that to walking out in the super over and, you know, it was fine because, I mean, the, the fate's in your own hands. And um, obviously, I mean, I had some time away from cricket where I, you know, did a, a whole lot of work on my mental game and, and being able to handle pressure situations and that sort of thing. And, and for me, it was... I was really excited at the possibility because it's not often you actually do a whole lot of work on something as a cricketer and then almost immediately you get to test that exact scenario out, you know, as soon as you're back in the team. And for me, I was walking out to bat going, this is so good. I've just spent six months specifically working on this and now I'm in a high pressure scenario where the game's on the line. And it was sort of like, I felt the confidence and knowing that I'd done the work. Um, and, you know, you're facing one of the best bowlers in the world on what was a, a pretty average um, playing strip. You're not expected to get 16, you know, or 17 or whatever you needed. So it was almost like a, um, you got nothing to lose. Go out, have a slog, see if you can connect a couple and, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you did plonk uh, one in the stands though, didn't you? Yeah. yeah got, about, got about 10 feet away from me. Yeah, you were sitting <laughs> over there, were you? Yeah. <laughs> nearly, nearly caught it, yeah. I thought, I think I looked at you, Greg, and went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> It did to be, to be able to be sent out there in that situation is testament to kind of all the other great cricket that you've played throughout your career I mean look memorable moments in your career I'm guessing scoring a ton against the Indians on your test debut that's probably up there and backing up with another hundred soon after that and look loads of great like things to count plus all your franchise cricket you play with some great players in franchise cricket as well like I mean let's let's start with coming into the New Zealand side and, and just whacking it on. What's that? What was that like for a start? I mean, I mean, dream stuff, dream stuff. Oh yeah. You don't get much better than walking out at number seven and about the 170th over um, of the innings when all the bowls are more 35 each and <laughs> they're taking the third new ball. And, um, yeah. I, I sort of joke about it in the group. I'm like the Forrest Gump of New Zealand cricket. I've sort of been there for, <laughs> A lot of the, the major moments of, of New Zealand sport, obviously, Baz's um, 300 was that game on my debut. And then um, I was in the stands watching when Grant Elliott hit the six in the semi-final of the of the 2015 World Cup. And then obviously batting in the Super over in the, in the 2019 one. So um, I've been there for a lot of it. But um, yeah, look, that, that day was was pretty surreal, I think. I think I was next in to bat for maybe 110 overs or 115 overs. So, <laughs> Heavy pad rush. Uh, Proper heavy pad rash. It was yeah, over a whole day. So, um, yeah, I was pretty mentally fatigued when I got out there, to be fair. But, um, yeah, it was it was a very simple scenario then. You know, I think we were around about even in the second innings um, when I came out to bat, five down. So um, it was just a case of, of killing the game, trying to bat as long as possible. And then, um, you know, Bears obviously started approaching 300. I think he was maybe 260 or 270 overnight. Um, on day four so and we had that night to sleep on it and then and get out there the next morning and um, as I mentioned earlier the, the crowds 
aren't you know generally packed in New Zealand for Test cricket. But the next morning with with Brendan McCullum on two seventy odd, you know the the punters were pouring in the gates from about nine o'clock in the morning. So it was a pretty surreal experience to to play your first Test um, in front of what I imagine was sort of fifteen thousand at the basin, which is uh, wow. sounds like not many for an England sports fan. But you know it's a it's a packed house in New Zealand, so it was a pretty special day. That's awesome. That is a so lot good. for county cricket. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> On that. <laughs> Talking of uh, county cricket, actually, we've had a couple of bits of intel. Brooksy, do you want to run through those with Jimmy, actually? Bits of intel that you've had off former yeah, teammates. Yeah. had a little um, spy got in touch with me. Just wanted to see if you'd confirm or deny a couple of stories on you from your time at Derby. <laughs> um, one being, apparently, you've, you've got quite a nice, large appetite. A bit of a freeloader with your food. Um <laughs> that you were 22 you're a 2020 overseas player in county cricket it's quite tight with the cash you know if you're not in the squad you shouldn't be there eating the food but apparently you'd be first in the queue on championship days for lunch and tea you just pop in in your in your baked beans and t-shirt and going out gears and come in for your food and then bugger off again yeah well the the gym was at the ground so <laughs> and i was obviously living right there so you know you like you know, championship game. You know, you're a T20 pro, so you you need to be at your your peak performance level at kind of four or five o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. So you kind of wake up at eleven, and you think, oh, I've got to go to the gym, but you get some fuel in beforehand. You don't want a gym, you know, empty stomach. So then, you know, the grounds right next to the gym. It just sort of it was a kind of <laughs> it just made sense. It was probably more. Yeah, I was about twenty three or something, so I was still you know topping off the scales, but. You're bulking as well, um, aren't yeah. you? If it's coming out of the gym, you yeah. need to load up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, every uh, every county cricketer does a bit of a bulking session when they get to England, don't they? I think. Um, like I bulked. Not me on Jaeger bombs, though. Not not food. Like I'm bulking all year round. The the structure of the uh, the T20 compact then was that it wasn't in kind of one window. You'd have like a T20 and then a four day, and then a T20 and then two four days, and so it was kind of like I was this kind of transient member of the squad where I'd just sort of come in for a game and then the rest of the squad would take the bus down to Sussex and I'd sort of get in my car and shoot home and hit up the Macca's drive-thru on the way and then you know, <laughs> around by myself for, for six days and then check cricket info and they'd be in the field for 140 hours on the trot and I'd sort of just be sitting on my couch and <laughs> it was great. It was good stuff. Had life, isn't it? And I've got uh, another story and you give off the vibe about being this humble Kiwi uh really down to earth um you can obviously say if this is true or not apparently one fifty over game it was a 50 over game and you were down to bat at seven and uh, apparently you were you were kicking off in the change and saying fuck me about five for the national team like i even cracked <laughs> top seven here and, uh, apparently the captain was giving you absolute daggers and having a go at you which um you were apparently absolutely oblivious to whilst you were ranting away <laughs> is that is that not a fair comment I think so. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. When you bet five for New Zealand, and then you get signed as the overseas pro, and you bet seven for a county team, oh, I, th- I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit honest in my young days. Yeah, yeah right. You made, you made your opinion. The, Mike Heston yeah, used to say this in, New, in the New Zealand squad. He said, "If I had never spoke a word, he'd know what I was thinking at all times, just from the look on my face." So. <laughs> Um, I haven't been able to uh, to work out a way to hide that as yet, but 
yeah, look, it's the way it is, isn't it? It's good that people know that I'm being honest because they can see if I'm lying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, fa- fair enough. I love that. That's great. That's great. The Hoover. The Hoover. Have you, you, any plans to come back over to uh, to play a bit of county cricket, Jimmy? I mean, if it allows or, or you know, the T20 blast or the or the 100, dare I mention it, can bowl some of your 10 ball overs? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely keen to come over. Um, obviously, with what's happening at the moment, uh, there's a few more hoops to jump through um, as far as that sort of thing is. And then also... Uh, we're not 100% sure what our schedule for New Zealand looks like next winter, but um, no, absolutely, definitely a priority on the list to, to get over for the for the blast, ideally. Um, I'd actually love to play a little bit of four-day cricket as well, if possible. Um, oh, earn your food, I'm, mate. Come and earn your food. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll bowl four or five overs in the session. I think <laughs> yeah, but you'll bat eight um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lower in four-day cricket. Oh, dear. I love but, that. Uh, yeah, look, I obviously still have goals to, to make it back into the test team for New Zealand. So it's a very, very difficult thing um, when you're a white ball international player to actually get enough first-class cricket to, to force you into the test team. So um, ideally, if I could come over to England and play a fair bit of county cricket um, to put some numbers on the board, that would be a, a goal of mine as well. Is it? Is it a goal of yours? You know, I didn't really want to ask that. Is that something that you want to be getting back into? You want to be getting back into the whites? It's funny, my career kind of, I almost see it as, as having sort of two distinct halves. There was sort of the half up until um, 2017 when I was kind of, uh, you know, I was quite talented. I was young. I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I sort of just went out and played and, you know, if success came to me, that was great. And if it didn't, I sort of didn't really know why. And um, then since you know, moving to Wellington and, and growing up a little bit, I'm, I'm now a little bit more experienced and a little bit, um, more now see about the game and, and the second half of my career has been a lot more um, controlled I guess a lot more thought out and um, I haven't actually played test cricket in the second half um, it was all sort of when I was young and um, a bit naive and um, I think it would be a shame if that was the only time I played test cricket when I was sort of that young player in the first half so um, yeah I definitely still have the desire to, to show what I've got in the longer form of the game it's obviously the pinnacle of the game um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I have to put the numbers on the board. It doesn't, you know, you know come to anyone easily, but um, I'm definitely keen to to give it another crack and, and sort of show what I what I could achieve at the test level um, when I'm a sort of more complete player. Hopefully, see you back in the team, and then these boys can sledge you from the from the boundary side uh, over in New Zealand. Sounds good. Sounds good. Some colourful songs coming your way, Brooks. Are you in need of a new housemate at Somerset, aren't you? You have Jimmy for a year. <laughs> I don't know what the crack is overseas Could next cook. year, whether, we, whether we've got any sorted or not. But yeah, I don't know what's crack. I need a housemate. I need a housemate. I haven't, I haven't even got a house at the minute, let alone a housemate. So, um, yeah, we'll see, mate. We'll see. Oh, I'd love that. Um, also, as well, just want to sort of mention this. This is amazing. And you're going to have to tell us more about this, Jimmy. But there's a chance to win a net session with you by entering a raffle. And it's only £2.50 to enter it. What's this all about? You can fly as well. Is this right? You're going to fly into whatever the nearest county is to have a net session with somebody? I mean, I mean, what's this? Tell us, talk us through prize. it. It's an amazing prize, isn't it? Talk us through it. Well, it's just sort of something we came up with, obviously. Um, there's a, a fair bit of uh, sitting at home alone going on at the moment with COVID and that kind of thing. So we thought it would be quite cool to, um, you know, hold a raffle to, to have a training session and I'll obviously fly in and, 
I'll come to you um, wherever you are in, in England or the world, actually, and um, just come and you know have a yarn for for an hour or so, have a net session. Um, probably more on the batting side of things than the bowling side of things, but fielding actually, ideally, um, <laughs> yeah, any part of the game um, you want working on, um, I'm more than happy to assist. And um, yeah, the Barmy Army are obviously getting involved as well to help up with the raffle, and, and hopefully we get a, a good uptake, and, and I can come over and yeah have a have a coaching session. That'd be brilliant. Chris, is it so uh, Barmy Army uh, hosting this kind of thing? Is there a little collaboration between the Barmy Army's favourite New Zealand cricketer and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, so how can people enter this, this comp? Because it sounds class. I might, I might stick me 250 in actually. You just enter at barmyarmy.com and it will be in the events ticket section where we've teamed up with Moonrise Sports to offer this wonderful, unique opportunity to a wider audience. I think, we're going to get quite a lot of sign-ups from all over the world. I know you've got, as we've mentioned before, quite a good following globally on Twitter. So I'm sure that you might be flying somewhere you might not have thought of, be that Mumbai, be that Kent or even West Bromwich again. So make sure you enter at barmyarmy.com forward slash event tickets and it's in the Jimmy Neesham event competition section. Nice work. Uh, do you do leg spin tutorials, Jimmy? <laughs> Funny you should actually mention that. That's bizarre. I did... Um crack out the old leg spinners in the nets a couple of days ago um, and how were they how were they coming down all right um i i landed probably nine of 12 on the cut strip <laughs> nice so i think that's, that's actually pretty good for uh, someone who hasn't bowled them since they're about 12 so yeah um, that's amazing that shows the, the mental challenges we're facing at the moment in isolation when you're, you're pulling out stuff like that <laughs> uh, yeah. that would probably no, get you about five um, wickets 2020 cricket those stats <laughs> wouldn't it make it till you make it don't you <laughs> doesn't teach me cricket right they're just fanging at the middle of the wicket and guys just hit it down long arms throat it doesn't yeah, exactly. seem like there's that much skill involved <laughs> <laughs> Gregor, you're, you're a self-professed leg spinner aren't you you'd be yeah. happy with 9 out of 12 on the track I would you? I was going to say that's probably better than my usual uh, thing yeah yeah definitely I love it I love it. James from Sheffield wins this raffle. I'm having a redraw. That'd be awesome. I'd, I'd, I would I'm love that. I'm coming to watch. <laughs> could sell tickets for that. It'd be brilliant. He could fly first rather than premium economy, Jimmy. That'd be brilliant. Spectators as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh dear. Um, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, look. By the way, you've you've played with some great players in the T20 leagues and stuff round round the world, haven't you? So. What, what some of some of the teammates? I'm just trying to reel some of them off, and what were who were some of your favourites? Oh, favourite teammates. Um, obviously, best bats when I played with Kane Williamson. Um, what I've also had what Kevin Peterson, um, JP Dumini, uh, Sonal Narayan, Corin Pollard. Um, wow, I've so many teams. Eh? It actually gets ridiculous. <laughs> There were some that I've just completely forgotten. Um, the universe boss most recently? Chris, yeah, the recent Chris Gale, Glenn Maxwell, Nicholas Puran. Um, Did you play with Liam Plunkett in the, in the um, IPL? No, no. We both played for Delhi, but he was, I think he might have been the year after I left. I, um, Yeah, we had a, a horrific performance when I was at Delhi and then the whole team basically got shipped out on the first plane. Him, so um, <laughs> I think we retained not six players out of 24 or something seriously uh, wow <laughs> Jimmy we won't keep any more of your time but it's been an absolute pleasure our first overseas guest on the Shackles Rock podcast and uh, remember get entering £2.50 
Jimmy will come to you and give you a leg spin. Sorry, just a overall cricket tutorial. Perfect. So um, yeah, more special tutorial. Exactly. Yeah, top man. It'll give you teach you the long bar- teach you the long barrier fielding drills and all that stuff. Where yeah, magic. Enjoy your day of freedom tomorrow. All the best, Jimmy. Top man. Thanks for coming on, mate. Guys, no worries. Jimmy, top man. Guys. Take it easy. Podcast Network.